Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is April 5th, 2021. We work each week with a twofold purpose to introduce this planetary service through the power of thought to anyone who is new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles. And also, we work to provide a platform for those people who are already members of Triangles to come together each week and participate in a meditative visualization. Triangles is a daily practice. It's a simple visualization technique using prayer and thought to uplift and transform planetary consciousness. Three people agree to visualize a triangular link between themselves every day. And as that link is visualized, they connect with the entire planetary network of all other people who are also participating in triangles and then sound the great invocation, a world prayer that serves to release and circulate spiritual energies. So it's a very a simple technique um, but it does involve a commitment, a daily commitment. So if you're interested in forming a triangle, even if you already have one, if you'd like to form another, you can place your name in the chat box and hopefully two other people on the call tonight will agree to link up with you each day. And I also wanted to mention that our guest today after the meditation is Jeffrey Swainhart. He's a longtime student of the Ageless Wisdoms with an interest in financial and political work. He believes in the power of meditative service for both individual and group evolution. And he encourages everyone to bring forward their best efforts in this critical time of planetary transformation and he lives in Minnesota in the Northern United States. And also wanted to give a, a advanced warning and not warning, that's not the correct word, advanced announcement of next Monday's webinar. Those of you who've been participating in the webinars will remember some time ago, we were focusing a little bit on the work of triangles in Japan and how the Tibetan teach, Tibetan's teachings have stated that the Japanese have a particular facility for work with the power of thought. And so next week we have um, an opportunity to work together with three groups, Triangles, um, Global Silent Minute, which you know Dot Maver um, works with, and then an organization that's longstanding using the power of thought called May Peace Prevail on Earth. And one of the directors of that group, Fumi Stewart, will be presenting um, to our audience some of the work from that organization. And it's really a preparatory meeting for our second meeting, on, which follows on Saturday here in the United States. And in Japan, it will be on Sunday the 18th. So Saturday night here in the United States, mostly for those of us who live in the United States, because it might be a little late for people or a little early, depending on your perspective, a little early for people who live in Europe. But those valiant souls who would like to join us, you're welcome to. So we'll send out in our weekly emails an announcement about that meeting on the 17th. But that's going to be a meeting held and sponsored by the same three groups, Triangles, May Peace Prevail on Earth and Global Silent Minute with the aim of introducing the work of, trilent, uh, work of triangles to those people who are members of May Peace Prevail on Earth, which is a large organization in Japan. And so it's a really wonderful opportunity. And Fumi has really made this possible by aiding in um, bringing forward a new translation of the Great Invocation, which we are very proud to present and to use, and we're going to encourage people to begin forming triangles in Japan. And so that doesn't mean only Japanese people, of course, but hopefully triangles between Japanese people and 
other members of triangles all over the world. So it would be great if as many of you as possible could participate. So again, we'll be sending out information about that. So let's begin as we always do with a visualization. Let's take a moment to visualize the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. Within that sphere, let's visualize a triangle composed of the three primary planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy, and humanity. Visualize the circulation of energies flowing in all directions around the triangle from point to point, merging and blending the three points, filling the triangle with light. Now superimposed upon that triangle, visualize a five-pointed star. This is the star of the world teacher, linking east and west, past and present, radiating the energy of love, wisdom. At each point of the star, the sphere of his activity, stands an outpost of his consciousness, the five planetary centers. London. Darjeeling. New York, Geneva, Tokyo, Visualize the outpouring energies enlivening small groups gathering everywhere, aiding them to focus and direct the energies into the consciousness of all humanity, solving its problems, creating right human relations, restoring peace on earth.
project a rainbow bridge of energy towards the spiritual hierarchy and sound the mantram. Radiance, we are in power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. After the meditation, Jeffrey's going to present some thoughts on the Yoga Sutras. So just by way of introduction, the Yoga Sutras provide techniques and practices that train the mind, making it a vehicle of the soul. The Sutras were first set down in writing by a great Indian forerunner named Patanjali who lived some 11,000 years ago and put down in writing in what had been an oral tradition for training spiritual seekers in ancient India. The sutras are a collection of 196 aphorisms that synthesize the teachings on Raja Yoga, the yoga of the mind. And although the sutras were popular during earlier centuries, they were lost from between the 12th and 19th centuries and were only discovered and popularized at the end of the 19th century by Swami Vivekananda and the Theosophical Society. But we're told that this teaching has served the need of humanity and that it will continue to do so for the next 7,000 years, which would put us into the beginning of the age of Scorpio, when it appears we will be ready for another step forward in the unfoldment of the path of return. So while we live in this world wherein people are constantly seeking new and improved systems of spiritual training, this Raja Yoga technique has stood and will continue to stand the test of time, providing a sound and safe method of training advocated by the spiritual hierarchy. The sutras provide the means whereby we can move from the sense of being the isolated, self-centered individual trapped within the sense of I consciousness, the unillumined lower mind, devoid of any influence of the soul's light and into the stage wherein illumination by the self, the soul, unveils the reality underlying all things. A saying in an old English book encapsulates this idea that the man who sees the one self in everything and all things in the self he seeth verily, he seeth, and all else is blindness. The sense of separation, while a necessary stage at a certain point in the evolutionary process, becomes a fundamental short-circuiting of the divine circulatory flow if it is not superseded by the calling in of the light 
if the sense of separation endures, it becomes like a branch that grows out of a trunk of a tree and sees not its interrelatedness with the whole of the tree that would easily appear if the horizon expanded. He who sees clearly recognizes the unity of the branch with the tree and the life of the tree as it flows into every branch creates oneness. This is the consciousness of the soul. Despite the separation that stems from the unredeemed lower mind within the depth of the heart always is unity. This essential divinity resides within each and everything and within each and every human heart. People have thought that by retreating from the world, they could find divinity. But if God is everywhere, if this is truth, he must be in the cities as well as in the mountains. He must be in the home and not only in the retreat centers. And while the solitary life is sometimes needed to break ties and patterns overly indulged in in previous incarnations, the true hero of the spiritual life shuns no place and no person. Solitary lives are needed perhaps to learn detachment, but they will later be left behind bringing the light of life to every situation. It is, therefore, our attitude must change, asking nothing, but instead seeking to give by giving up, seeking the fruit of action and simply acting for the love of giving. Activity is the way of evolution in our planetary life. For without effort and struggle, we float in the backwater of life and miss out on the forward moving currents of the river. In Discipleship in the New Age, volume two, page 30, the Tibetan writes of this when he says, there is no separation, but only identification with the heart of all love. The more you love, the more love can reach out through you to others. The chains of love unite the world of men and the world of forms, and they constitute the great chain of hierarchy. The spiritual effort you are asked to make is that of developing yourself into a vibrant and powerful center of that fundamental universal love. So let's come now together in group fusion. Linking in thought as a soul, as a point of love and light with all those people throughout the world who are working with this Triangles Meditation Group. Project a line of lighted energy to the highest center, the center where the will of God is known. And sound together the mantra. In the center of the will of God, I stand. Not shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men.
using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love which underlies and infuses the network. Now lift the consciousness to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle. Visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the Triangles Network.
Visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness and establishing right human relationships. Project the consciousness again into the center of the spiritual hierarchy and sound together the mantra of unification. The souls of all are one and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. Prior to sounding the great invocation, let's pause and consider the work to be done by the words as they're poured out. And as we repeat each stanza, let's visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, and as a channel through which light and love and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. 
from the point of love within the heart of God. Let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. And Jeffrey, can you now turn on your video? Okay. All right. Um, so. All right. Let's see. Well, uh, so welcome, well, Jeffrey. Uh, Jeffrey's good. Oh, Thank I don't you hear much. you. Can you hear me now? I don't hear you. It might be my. Something with my computer. Uh, Kathy, I can hear him. So it could no. be your uh, your headphones. Okay, right. well, just proceed because I can't hear I you. will proceed. Well, thank you very much, uh, Kathy, and for that lovely uh, introduction. And also thank you to uh, Lucius Trost for giving me this opportunity to talk about something I love so much, which is the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And, and I just wanted to get a little aside in and say that uh, those who heard me talk at uh, after New Year's about journaling, about uh, visioning for the year to come, the spiritual festivals is another time when you can really uh, benefit from looking ahead to the spiritual year, from turning, from listening deeply in your meditation and to uh, writing down and creating goals. Really a, a, a great practice. So uh, this weekly Rhythmic Triangles meeting is a great addition to our daily triangles practice. And, um, you know, I call it a practice rather than, often, you often hear it called the work of triangles or the service of triangles, but it's a practice. It's a spiritual discipline. And the daily exercise helps us as individual practitioners um, and it helps us as a as a whole group and what I like to call the, the world disciple. And so it helps us to integrate our energies and intentions and pour them forth into humanity that is in deep need. And uh, it creates spiritual light and brings love and alignment and divine purpose. So uh, as uh, Kathy said, I'm talking about the 
Yoga Sutras of Patanjali today. And uh, I'm using the paraphrase by the Tibetan. And um, it is uh, in the, with commentary by uh, Alice Bailey. This was the first book that I had seen and um, found it to be uh, really um, useful and uh, has a great uh, simplicity and depth that a disciple or individual can really uh, benefit from. As spiritually minded people, we all come from widely different uh, backgrounds, different spiritual paths, but whatever our path, we can always benefit from the additional disciplined approach that the Yoga Sutras can give. And they provide a roadmap and a set of instructions that when followed um, will make us stronger practitioners. It will make us better citizens, better world citizens, and make us happier as individuals. So the, the sutras themselves are of a, I'd say an indeterminate age. They're uh, according to Wikipedia, 1500 to 2,500 years old. But some say that they're much, much older. And certainly they carry a spiritual power that uh, is timeless. Um, there are 195 or 196 uh, statements or aphorisms. Uh, they are, they're called, each of those is called a sutra. And a sutra comes from the same, um, the same uh, root word as suture or stitch. And so in a way, it's like stitching together a spiritual life, stitch by stitch. So uh, very useful. And it's divided up into four books. So the, the, the first book is kind of lays out the, the roadmap. What are we going to do? What is the plan here? What is, what is this condition of humanity? And what, is, what are we trying to accomplish? And then the, the second book is basically a roadmap. It, it shows you the steps that you need to take in order to bring oneness with the soul and to attain spiritual realization, which is the goal for the planetary incarnation, for humans to raise themselves up out of the mire and to, um, to express themselves in light and love and divine purpose. So the book three finishes up the what are called the means of yoga, and they are, uh, and that is the, um, the there's eight eight means, and they are uh, basically the cookbook for a spiritual life, and uh, the the last few are relate to meditation, and those are in book three, and as well as in book three some um, some of the possibility uh, effects and uh, uses of the meditative uh, alignment once achieved. And then finally, book four is the transcendent conclusion. Uh, and uh, if, uh, if it's 7,000 years ahead, we've got our work cut out for us. So uh, I was introduced, as I said, to the Tibetan, uh, by the Tibetan in his work a number of years ago and was struck by the usefulness and, and simplicity among complexity in the sutras themselves. So my goal today is to introduce them to those who, for whom the sutras are new and to encourage people for whom maybe the sutras have been sitting on the shelf for a while, to dust them off and uh, reapply yourself and maybe go through the book another time or two, select some sutras and give them some specific work and then move on from there. And finally, if uh, there are people that are experts on the sutras uh, who uh, love them as much as I do, please, um, Put, put that in the chat if, uh, and uh, just share the joy with me. So uh, what my plan is to do is I'm going to read. I've got about 30 sutras. I'm going to read through them and, uh, and uh, make uh, some short commentary and uh, hopefully create a bit of a narrative that uh, so those who are unfamiliar will know them. Those who are familiar will be reminded of some of the, some of the beautiful uh, benefits. So the, the, in the first book, the first sutra, Om, the following instruction concerneth the science of union. That's the union with the soul. Union or yoga is achieved through the subjugation of the versatile psychic nature and re, re, restraint of the chitta or mind stuff. When this has been accomplished, the yogi knows himself as he is in reality. No more identification with form. It's the identification with spirit. And that is the real human being. We are spiritual beings having a human experience, not the other way around. 
So up until now, the inner man has identified himself with, those, with his forms and with their active modifications, with the personality vehicles. And these uh, modifications are correct knowledge, incorrect knowledge, fancy passivity and memory. So it divides up uh, the mental constructions into those uh, five categories. And the control of those modifications via the internal organ of the mind is to be brought about through, now this is very important, tireless endeavor and non-attachment. So you need to, uh, that tireless endeavor, you can't let up, you have to stay on it and you have to be unattached, unattached to, re unattached to results, unattached to the material benefits, unattached to everything. Because that attachment, that is, the, that is what locks spirit into form. So when the object to be gained is sufficiently valued and efforts toward its attainment are persistently followed without intermission, then comes steadiness of the mind. So, uh, and, and then they, uh, Patanjali throws in incredible, um, it's like seed thoughts for meditation. And here's one, it's uh, Sutra 17, first book. The consciousness of an object is attained by concentration upon its fourfold nature, its form, its qualities, its purpose, and its soul. And uh, many uh, great details there. And the attainment of the state of the state of con spiritual consciousness is rapid for those whose will is intently alive. So again, willpower, uh, that, that focus. So, and what are we focusing towards? We're focusing towards the soul, or as uh, in, in uh, the sutras is called Ishvara. By intense devotion to Ishvara, knowledge of Ishvara is gained. Ishvara is the soul, untouched by limitation and free from karma and desire. So you can see where this going is going. And uh, we all know that there are obstacles and Patanjali not only names the obstacles, he describes them in detail and he gives uh, definite, clear instruction on how to unhook from each of those obstacles. And, I'm, and uh, I don't really have time to go through all of them, but uh, I was gonna say the obstacles to soul cognition are bodily disability, wrong questioning, carelessness, laziness, inability to achieve concentration and failure to hold the meditative attitude once achieved. That's uh, something that we all meditators can uh, identify with. So in the over, we overcome the obstacles and this is a blanket, uh, uh, blanket statement. Obstacles and their accompaniments, let's see, overcome the obstacles and their accompaniments by an intense application of the will to one, one truth or principle is required. It's focus. This is not, you know, we are becoming spiritual adults. So we need to give it our best. Uh, and I'm just gonna do um, uh, one of this, one of his solutions for the obstacles, which is uh, my favorite. And uh, piece of the chitta or mind stuff can be brought about through the practice of sympathy, tenderness, steadiness of purpose and dispassion in regard to pleasure or pain or all forms of good or evil. So this is a, that is a very powerful statement. It, uh, it um, reflects the uh, four immeasurables from Buddhism of, uh, of um, loving kindness, compassion, joyful, uh, joyful participation and equanimity. So those are the things that need to happen for uh, Oh, suit your numbers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that was uh, that was thirty three. Okay. Uh, and we're we're in book one. We'll, and when I get to book two, I will uh, I will um, say that. So the mind can be trained to steadiness through the forms of concentration, which have relation to sense perceptions, like uh, attention to the breath. That was thirty five. Uh, okay. I'm gonna skip ahead. So that gives you the idea of, uh, of book one. Moving on to book two. The yoga of action leading to union with the soul is fiery aspiration, spiritual reading, and devotion to Ishvara or the soul. 
So fiery aspiration, we've covered that. Uh, spiritual reading, it's not these books behind me. It is a development of the esoteric sense. It's looking at the energies behind the form, the energies, the purpose, the, uh, the qualities, and the soul behind the forms. And that's, what, uh, that's the definition of spiritual reading. And the aim of these is to bring about soul vision and to eliminate those obstructions. I am going to uh, talk about hindrances. Um, here's a, one of my favorites. The, the, seer, the seer is pure knowledge. Although pure, he looks out on the presented idea through the medium of the mind. And this is so true that we look out on the world through the lens of our minds, the lens of our concepts, the lens of our language, through the lens of our previous experiences. And it's so important to acknowledge that so we can get past those, uh, those obstructions and, and move uh, forward. So, uh, and help to attain. Uh, uh, anyway, so um, now the means of yoga. There are eight means of yoga. They are, the command, commandments are yama, rules are nayama, posture, asana, right control of the life force or pranayama, abstraction or pratyahara, attention, dharana, meditation, dhyana, and contemplation or samadhi. And I uh, apologize because I, I no doubt have botched at least two of those uh, pronunciations. So eight means, and then the first, the, uh, the uh, rules, harmlessness, truth to all beings, abstention from theft, from incontinence, from avarice are the rules or uh, for the, or the, or the or, oh, those are the five commandments. I'm sorry, rules and commandments. I get them mixed up. I throw all 10 of them in, in one barrel. So harmless. And, and these are both simple and very deep. There's uh, so truth. There's, there is, uh, there's surface truth and then there's deep truth. There's um, abstention from theft as a you know, material theft and then there's intellectual theft. There's theft of, of joy. There's these different ways that these can be looked at and they can be looked at so deeply. And these, these uh, rules and commandments are a part of creating a spiritual life of deepening the, um, the uh the soul, the soul awareness in the personality, it helps to uh, detach, create that uh, non-attachment that we're looking for. So, and then the, the, um, the rules are internal and external purification, contentment, fiery aspiration, once again, spiritual reading and devotion to Ishvara. So the internal and external purification are not only physically, physical purification, but inner purification, purification of mind, purification of heart, of uh, uh, astral purification. And then contentment. Contentment is an attitude that, that is the uh, experience of detachment. It, it pulls you out of, the, uh, out of your, um, your, your self, your inner self, and um, helps you to, uh, to, to better approach things with an open heart and an open mind. So when thoughts, con oh, this is great. A solution. When thoughts are contrary to yoga are present, there should be the cultivation of their opposite. How simple. When you feel yourself getting caught up, stop it, pull back, create the opposite in your mind. And those two, so the, there's the, uh, you have the stimulus, you have the control, the two come together and become settled. And, uh, that's, uh, that's one of the sutras. I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to catch that one today, but uh, that's all in there. Uh, yeah. And so uh, I'm not going to go to thoughts contrary to yoga, oh, but I'm going to, okay, so now to uh, the asanas. I think we're still okay for time. Posture assumed must be steady and easy. This is a posture, not only a physical posture like hatha yoga, but it's a posture of all your energy in your life and your personality expression. When the right posture has been attained, there follows right control of the prana. Uh, beautiful, deep uh, commentary from Alice Bailey on, on the prana and um, the different types, the different uses, and um, all of that. 
again, available in the Yoga Sutras. And now, only then, now, are you ready for meditation? So the first thing in, um, the first on meditation is concentration. And uh, concentration is fixing the chitta or mind stuff on a particular object. So, and uh, this is, I love this. Vivekananda says, concentration is fixing the mind on something for 12 seconds. Easier said than done. So, uh, yeah, so only 12 seconds. And then you've got the, that first means of, me of, uh, of meditation done. Sustained concentration is meditation. So start stacking up those 12 second intervals and see how many you can do. It's, it's tough. The, you have a brain that's, that's, uh, that's uh, getting charged up and wants to create things. And also a, uh, you know, in your mind, there's so many things floating around, very easy to get distracted and pulled away. So when the chitta or mind stuff becomes absorbed in that which is reality or the embodied form uh, or the idea embodied in the form and is unaware of separateness that, or, or the personal self, this is contemplation or samadhi. This is absorption. This is the, the goal from, uh, you know, in, in all Buddhist teachings, looking towards that highest focus of, uh, of, um, of experience. So that's, I'm going to stop there. I know I'm probably over time, but uh, thank you all very much. I hope I've given you at least a little taste of uh, what's available in the sutras. Um, I, I love them so well. Uh, doing this uh, talk gave me a chance to make index cards of all the sutras. So I've got uh, 196 index cards. I pull them out. I rearrange them. You know, that's the kind of guy I am. So ah. <laughs> thank you for that. Thanks for this opportunity. Thank you, Jeffrey. Um, really appreciate your, your thoughts. And I wonder if you would like to address some of the comments that are coming in in the chat box. Oh, sure. And we'll see if anybody's going to raise their hand. That would be great. If, okay. So now what I'm going to do, I guess I'm going to scroll up um, ways. Thank you. They got the lotion. The, 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 if you don't have the book, you got to buy the book. There, there's other translations out there. I have two other translations that I really like. Uh, uh, Charles Johnson translation, which is one that uh, uh, Alice refers to in her commentary. And this Chip Hartramp translation, it is a, um, uh, comes from a Vipassana Buddhist uh, uh, place. And his is a more direct translation where um, the Tibetans is paraphrased. And then of course I got my old favorite here, which is Fallen Apart. So um, let's see, uh, try a lot of thanks. Uh, people asked for uh, the, uh, the numbers, which I failed to do. Um, hmm, I wonder if I can, I, oh, let's see, here's a translation. Opposites are so balancing. Uh, thank you. Um, Please raise your hand if you have a question or a comment. I'm having a little trouble reading well, this small print. Here's um, John. Let's see. Hi, John. Thank John? you. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Jeffrey. Yeah, you bet. This is such a wonderful and powerful book. I would just like to point out in our modern Western view of yoga, that there are three of these 195 or 196 sutras, depending upon how you count them, that actually do with the physical movements of yoga, the asana. And we've tended to, when we talk about yoga, we just think it's the way we place our bodies. This book is such a resource to help you understand that it's really yoga of the mind. And I just wanted to thank you for your talk. And this is, you know, just what we need in our world today. Wow, great, you're so very welcome. Um, I could read some comments if- Oh, I would love that. Thank you so much, Kathy. Yeah, let's see. Um, uh, 
Thank you, Jeffrey. Patanjali's Yoga Sutras really align us to the spiritual life if we really follow them. The power in the simple way of our common life. That was from Fundacion Psychoactiva. Mm. Thank you. Uh, yeah, they're, uh, it, when followed, that's your key, is that, that fiery aspiration. Yeah. And Eduardo writes, perhaps the deeply spiritual and intuitive nature of Sanskrit, which he teaches and studies, oh. um, <laughs> so he could probably read these in uh, original language, probably has, the language in which the Yoga Sutras were written cannot be left unnoticed. The original sutras are so cryptic that they needed many commentators along the ages so that their deep meaning could at least partially be unraveled. The Tibetan gives us a wonderful rendering of them. Only practice meditation and deep reflection, perhaps with several translations at hand, can make us have a glimpse of that eightfold path towards meditation and contemplation. As Jeffrey noted, each word is a world in itself. Thank you, Jeffrey, for introducing this subject with these insightful and wonderful thoughts. Well, lovely, thank you. Yeah, and I do, I'd like to read them. I'll do it, I do a sutra a day, and then I, I compare with the, with the other translations I have. That's a very useful practice. And uh, I, when I was young, I used, I had uh, about 20 of them that I had memorized. And I would, I would walk, this is, I lived in another city and I would walk a lot and, and I would walk and I would, and I'd roll through them in my mind. And uh, yeah, so useful, just uh, what a great practice. And maybe I have a thought that maybe Eduardo could give us a, another translation. That would be, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Just something to think about Eduardo. <laughs> Yeah, I would love. Uh, Angela writes, I went through each sutra one a day last year. It really made my studies come alive. So often it pertained to what was happening in my daily life and added to my meditations and reports papers. Um, I made it part of my daily spiritual journal for review in the future. That's great. Daily spiritual journal. You're talking my language. Oh, well done. Yeah. That's a, what a what a great what a great. I mean, we don't uh, we don't make spiritual progress without putting in the work, and that is a that is a beautiful a beautiful practice. It's lovely to hear. Um, Car writes, which I don't know what it means, but most people probably do. T Y S M. Thank you. Thank you very. Thank you so much, maybe. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little dumb here. Okay, and Don, nice. said, Don says, much appreciated. Santana, great idea to have the words on index cards. Yeah, uh, a lot of thank yous. Um, they asked for my transcript. It was uploaded, but maybe Michael could- I, I, I downloaded it, I got okay. it. So yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, that was that was really useful, uh, helpful for me. I thought, oh, I should have should have consulted you when I was. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you're, you're such you're you're such a beautiful writer. I just love uh, love uh -huh. the talks you have. So thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. Um, could, would you, Clint writes? Would you relate pranayama to the highest state of mind achieved in Buddhism? Well, I'm not sure I know the highest state of mind available in Buddhism. I think it's a, I think they all go together. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a system, you know, uh, you need to have a, a, a healthy and aligned um, set of bodies to, uh, to uh, attain that kind of uh, intense focus to uh, complete absorption which I have never experienced. I've had little glimpses of, of great focus, but uh, yeah, you know, that would be a good, good question for a, uh, for a real Buddhist 
uh, a real Buddhist teacher, maybe uh, Joseph Goldstein or somebody, he would give you a, a good, you know, or if you talk to a, maybe a Rinzai Zen teacher, he might give you a slap. <laughs> so, yeah. But I know, as Clint knows from reading the Tibetan, that we wouldn't want to start with pranayama. Maybe. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. no, not at all. Yeah, that's where you start with the rules. You start with getting your, getting your moral self together. You start mm -hmm. being, with being collected, with being uh, uh, internally um, focused. You know, the yeah. truth to all beings, you know, uh, sexual propriety, um, you know, that kind of uh, non-theft non-greed i mean those that's basic you i mean you yeah. need that then you know maybe that prana stuff that comes later like uh, you know you know in uh some traditions you know you have a uh, years of study before you get the first simple breathing exercise yeah so that's uh, the way it should be done um stacy writes thank you uh, Jeffrey, your energy and explanations. I'm reading this book currently, and it is a lot to take in and comprehend. <laughs> it is true. It's a <laughs> yeah. You know, just give it a give it another three thousand years, and you'll have it. So, Jokey yeah, writes to put the names of the two other books. I think she probably means the Johnston Charles Johnston Yoga Sutras. Does it have a specific title? Uh, uh, Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. Yeah, and. Uh, and another one? Did you show another? I book? did, and this is another. It's Yoga Sutras, and I'm gonna. I'll just hold it up here for just a moment, and it's uh, a new translation with commentary, and uh -huh. uh, it's very interesting. It's like I said, it comes from a Vipassana point of view. He did the translation himself from the original Sanskrit, and uh, very, uh, very useful, very, uh, very different. You know. And uh, the Tibetan said in his translation, you know, this is not a word for word. This is a, I'm yeah. trying to get at the spirit of the translation. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a very useful. And he seemed to often really respect and commend the Johnston translation. He often yeah. said that would give the other half that's missing in my translation. It's like Eduardo was saying, you can't, you can't embody the idea in one translation so he often used the Johnston one it seemed yeah um, yeah I and I I just recently uh in the last few months picked up the Johnston and I'm like whoa what took so long I I looked for the wood one that uh, Alice talks mm -hmm. about and I was not able to find that mm -hmm. but uh yeah yeah John did you know Johnston was he was a nephew of Blavatsky oh yeah he was married to, <laughs> to Blavatsky's niece ah and, and he wrote, oh boy, that would be that would be a tough mother-in-law, huh? I think she. He said she was great. He wrote a eulogy upon her passing, and he just said he presented her as the most gentle, beautiful, loving person. And it was amazing. You can read it. It's on. It's on YouTube actually, so you can find it there. Oh, yeah, well, I will do that. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, Wayne writes an interesting exercise is to read book four first, subtitled Illumination. This is the fourth stage of meditation after contemplation and before inspiration. Doing this, I found, is a great aid in keeping one's spiritual eye upon the goal. It also aids oh. in keeping on, keeping on in the struggle. All right, that's a good suggestion, I think. Oh, that's uh, lovely. Yeah, uh, Eduardo sent a, a message to the Spanish speakers. God bless, I love that. Uh-oh, uh, just to the Spanish speaker. Yeah, that's right. That's, well, I'm yeah. going to check out what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. And I uh, uh, I should uh, learn uh, some Spanish. So are we about to close? Yeah. We, you know, let me just give one last, the last sutra of the, of the last book. And it talks about the state of isolated unity. Uh -huh. And the state of isolated unity becomes possible when the three qualities of matter, the three gunas or potencies of nature, no longer exercise any hold over the self, the pure spiritual consciousness withdraws into the one. Oh, that's our- It starts our with goal. the one. And then it starts with, with the one. We end with the one. It ends one. with the one, yeah. 
<laughs> Glorious. All right. Well, thanks so much, Jeffrey. I know I'm uh, speaking thank for you. Our and audience. Thanks to everybody. Thanks for the great comments. I'm going to get the comments from, from Kathy and go through them uh, carefully and uh, with uh, great uh, love and gratitude. I uh, very much appreciate this opportunity to talk about something I love so much. Well, thank you. All right. So let's just take a moment of silence to link up with Triangles workers all over the world. Thank you.